Listener discretion advised by the sound contains salty language. So if you don't like that, turn it down now. No, now, like right now. Okay. Let's start this fucking show. (laughs) But uh, a lot of them, I mean, there's just really no chance they're going to quarantine. But But, then they'll suffer the long-term consequences of never properly being able to breathe again. So good luck. (laughs) Back in my day, we smoked cigarettes for that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... uh, From the Coast Salish land of Seattle, we're By the Sound, your community-invested podcast. I'm Sarah Mays, joined this week by Aisha Hauser and Raven Juarez. On today's episode, we're chatting with South Seattle Emerald journalist Carolyn Bick. They'll be telling us why we probably need to change our plans for the holidays. This is By the Sound. Our guest today is one of Seattle's hardest-working and most rigorously professional reporters, Carolyn Bick was recently named Newswriter of the Year by the Washington Newspaper Publishers Association for stories they wrote for the Northwest Asian Weekly. They're now working as a journalist for the South Seattle Emerald. Carolyn Bick, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, and thanks so much for the really sweet introduction. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, really. Well, normally we like to remind our listeners um, when necessary that this podcast is carefully edited infotainment and uh, that our, our, our free-flowing chatter and our, our vulgar opinions um, and our talking out of our asses do not constitute anything close to actual journalism. But uh, if you're up for it, Carolyn, um, I'd like to ask you to do some reporting uh, of a sort um, in that I, I heard you were just um, in the governor's press conference. It is Sunday, November 15th, and uh, the governor did have a press conference. And um, between that and the other insights you've gained through this week, um, uh, it would be great if you could fill us in. I hadn't planned on recording a normal podcast episode today, but in the last uh, 72 hours or so, I've seen really scary graphs and uh, I felt like we should talk about what's going on uh, with uh, COVID-19. So, what's going on, Carolyn? I mean, basically, the long and the short of it is that we're totally screwed, uh, in my opinion, because um, people are acting like total jackasses. Um, I'm not going to go ahead and, like, <laughs> I guess censor myself like I would on Week in Review or something. Um, uh, give them what your listeners have expected from this podcast. But yeah, people uh, are acting like total jackasses. And within the last couple of weeks, our uh, our daily case rates have gone from a thousand new cases a day, which in itself is concerning, thank you, to more than 2,000, which is an exponential growth. And if we don't in, if we don't do something about this, it's going to be more than 4,000 per day, new cases per day in a couple of weeks. So Inslee decided to institute some new restrictions that, of course, won't be um, penalized on an individual level in any way, shape, or form. So I have no idea how they're going to bloody well enforce these. And I honestly don't see a very good outcome because, quite frankly, in my opinion, um, Inslee is is not taking uh, 
harsh enough measures. And I understand that there have been severe, severe detriments to uh, local businesses, particularly uh, small mom and pop businesses, particularly in South King County and just generally in the state amongst communities of color. But at the same time, it's very clear that Washingtonians won't quote unquote, as Inslee likes to say, do the right thing. And if they're not going to do the right thing and it's going to ultimately be people of color and frontline workers and essential workers, there's a lot of overlap there too, I'd like to add. If it's going to be they who end up suffering or them who end up suffering the consequences, then it's not fair, in my opinion, to not um, impose harsher restrictions and actually help localities enforce this on an individual level. Why did it take them so long? Because this has been up for a while. We've been hearing about this for weeks, that it's going up, up, up in the state. Um, the people who are, you know, anyway, I'm curious why it took so long. Uh, you know, I'm really curious, too. And I posed that exact question to the governor's office. I wasn't able to ask a question during the press conference, but I followed up with them afterwards. And instead of actually answering me, they simply avoided the question by saying that that's an extremely subjective question and then just said that, you know, we've been dealing with this since the beginning, since March. And it's like, okay, but there has been data showing that the case rates have gone up and up and up. And health officials have been repeatedly giving these really dire and grim data-driven warnings that, you know, you are supposedly paying attention to. And yet it took forever to do this. And, you know, there was, it also seems to be, quite frankly, a decision kind of made overnight because on Friday, Inslee and Trudy sat down for like for less than seven minutes. I remember this because I recorded it because I was actually hoping that they say something helpful um, to essentially say, happy holidays, try not to die, trying to kill everybody else. Good luck. <laughs> and what, what did they say like did uh, about Thanksgiving? So uh, when they when Inslee and Trudy gave a pub, gave that brief public address on Thursday night when they sat down and gave that public address, they just briefly said, you know, don't gather and, you know, try, you know, try not to basically try not to kill each other and don't, don't eat together indoors and such like that. Whereas two days earlier on Tuesday at a very frightening public health press conference where that involved the state's top health officials, Health officials were just delivering grim warning after grim warning. And I remember Dr. Uh, Washington State Department of Health health officer, Dr. Kathy, Lo Kathy Lofi, specifically saying verbatim, we should probably all stop socializing for the next couple weeks. And yet these new restrictions come out without any real teeth behind them. And I honestly just, I don't see it happening because I, I don't think that people will do the right thing. And I would love to be eating my words in a couple of weeks, but I don't think I will because I haven't since the beginning of the pandemic. I have said this before and it has keep, kept happening. Uh, what do you think, this is Raven, by the way. Hi and welcome. Um, what do you think is the biggest risk factor for the next two weeks? Like what types of gatherings should people be specifically? I know it says like all social events, but to me, it sounds kind of gray. Some of my friends think that means, oh, you just can't hang out with like more than one person, or that means you can't go see your family. Like what, what, in your opinion, do you think is the biggest risk in the next two weeks when we should be quarantining or like socializing as little as possible? 
I think that the biggest risks are any indoor gatherings, period. That includes religious services, even though that those are currently allowed um, starting on Monday at 11.59 p.m., uh, the restrictions on religious service gatherings, I believe, will be limited to 25% capacity or 200 people, whichever is fewer. There will be no singing allowed. Um, you're supposed to be masked. Everybody's supposed to be masked the whole time. Lord knows how they're going to enforce that, but whatever. Um, in any case, I think it's any indoor gathering, uh, masked or unmasked, to be frank. Um, I think that, uh, you know, if you're going to, if you insist on gathering with people, then that best be outside and you best all be masked up, period, the end. Like, there, there is no exception. Um, I also think it's really risky to enter uh, essential businesses like uh, grocery stores if there, if you see that there are a lot of people in there. In fact, I actually, for the first time, went grocery shopping last night really quickly to pick up something that my husband had forgotten. And I nearly had a panic attack because of how many people were in the grocery store. I know that that might sound ridiculous, but it's also true because there were so many people in there. And yeah, they were wearing masks, but some jerks had them down beneath their noses, which like PSA, guys, if it's not under over your nose and your mouth, you're not doing shit. So it needs to be there. But there were tons of people in the grocery store is my point. And, you know, I. I just, I don't feel safe in situations like that. And nobody else should feel safe in situations like that either. Um, if you've got your quarantine pod going on and you've got that going strong, great. Stick with that. Don't add new people. And definitely, for the love of God, do not freaking gather indoors, period. Yeah, I, um, it's, it's Thanksgiving that's uh, scaring me most right now. Um, and why this, this new data that we've seen this week um, and those scary, scary graphs uh, have made me feel a little panicky about Thanksgiving. Um, the, I think Colorado Governor Jared Polis um, hit the nail on the head. Uh, he, he said, the more family members make that decision to self-quarantine – um, by which he means for two weeks prior to Thanksgiving, um, the more likely it is that you're not really bringing a loaded pistol to grandma's head. Uh, which sounded to me like j- the, the the right amount of emphasis to put on this. I um, I have, much to my surprise, uh, uh, found a lot of love for Thanksgiving Um as an adult, simply because it's the only, um, it's one of the only occasions that has um, tradition built up in it uh, for the people I, I spend the the, the holiday with, um, and I, to my surprise, look forward to that tradition um, every year. And I had been looking forward to this one every year, but you know, uh, the I, I usually go out to Monroe. Um, and spend it with some elders, and I've been thinking a lot about them this week and how I would like to have 20 or 30 more Thanksgivings with them instead of just this one. Um, so that's why I'll, I'll, I'll be this Thanksgiving uh, staying here in Seattle. I'm going to be staying with my small uh, homeschooling pod um, of, of people I'm already <laughs> Uh, uh, contaminating, <laughs> um, 
and and I'm I, I'm lucky to have them. But I I hope people, especially people like you know, I'm I'm the the wet blanket um, in in my white family uh, the, the Thanksgiving group that you know is p- perhaps most likely to remind folks about smallpox blankets and the, the genocide of Native Americans and all this um, awful death uh, behind our. Uh, essentially fucked up Thanksgiving celebrations. Um, but that's always such an abstraction, uh, which is why I got these numbers from um, the research lab at American Public Media, uh, or APM, um, from their uh, The Color of Coronavirus uh, investigations. They found out of every 925 indigenous Americans uh who were our friends and family um, at the beginning of 2020, uh, one in 925 uh, have died uh, from COVID. That number will go up by the end of the year. Uh, The severity will depend on the actions we take right now. Additionally, one in 875 black Americans have died of COVID. And, um, that's just that's a lot of empty seats at at Thanksgiving tables and and other holiday tables and this isn't an abstraction folks this is a demographic genocide of of certain populations um cuz the inequities in our society are killing people and the decisions we make for how we spend Thanksgiving can keep pe- people alive Aisha how good Oh, how are you spending your holidays? Well, since moving to Seattle seven years ago, um, the folks, I used to host like 25 people when I lived in Jersey. And since coming here, the super friendly city of Seattle, it's basically been the four of us. I say that facetiously. Um, so it really works to our favor. And my, and I found out probably year two when we were all in pajamas and had Turkey that my children is really my daughter. She's like, I love that nobody's here. I hated having all those people over <sighs> children. Um, so apparently what my family, you know, there is, but, and neither of my kids are home. So they're going to come home and have to wear masks in the house. My son is flying. The amount of people flying over Thanksgiving is depressing. So, and granted my son is coming back from college and staying home through January. If it may be even longer, if they don't open school again, he's in college. So, uh, it'll just be the four of us. Um, we, you know, we have no plans on visiting people. Um, if I do see anyone, we sit outside with masks. Um, I agree with you, Carolyn, these stores have been, okay, here, can I, mm, the QFC used to have both in Bellevue and in, uh, Rainier of the one way, just go this way. And people wouldn't fucking listen. And I'd see people and I'm like, you're going the wrong way. And they would look at me pissed. They would look at me pissed. And I'm like, no, honey, you're wrong. I'm right. We're in a fucking pandemic. So I'm not sure. Well, I am sure. Sure. The A, the the abuser in chief piece of shit. As soon as he found out it was more black and brown people dying, he didn't give a shit. He fucking knew. Fuck you, Bob Woodward, who fucking records that dude in February, whenever the fuck it was. And then says, I had to write a fucking book. Fuck you and violent extractive capitalism, you piece of shit. There I said it. So he, this whole administration fucking knew and don't give a shit because they, he genuinely, the user in chief thinks he, that he doesn't give a shit because he only cares about white people. So this is just, it's, it, and so for liberal whites, who I think are most of our audience, um, 
Hey, folk. And, you know, we have people of color who listen to, of course, I want to say like this is this behooves you like the area that I live in in Seattle, you know, are mostly, you know, I'm not saying everybody, but for the most part, I would probably gander mostly liberal whites. Wear your fucking mask. Don't have a fucking party. You know, limit your going to the store. Bah, fucking blah. Like, stop it. Because we we can do this, but not unless we center community. Don't be so fucking selfish. And Raven, I, I should have asked you first, as an actual Native American, uh, put at risk by so much of this fuckery. Um, how are you spending your holidays? Uh, well, I'm glad you brought up your points you made earlier, because um, that's also an important reminder that I make most years. And uh, as a teacher, I've made a conscious choice not to place Thanksgiving as a center of our November curriculum. Uh, I really focus more on, you know, the seasons changing, the harvest, the idea of coming together. Um, so that's just how uh, Thanksgiving is not really a huge deal to me. Um, I think, you know, as a kid, it was nice to be with mom and grandma and all that. But um, as I've gotten older, it's become less of a, um, a focal point for me. Uh, but it's something, you know, if my mom's having a dinner or my dad wants me to come see grandma, most years we'll go and do that. Um, but it is a time right now where I think it really puts into perspective, uh, that those numbers are not an abstraction and that history is very real. And we're learning that history can continue to repeat itself. The colonism of this country isn't over yet. It's still happening. Um, so, uh, I'm really glad that you brought that up. And I think it's an important reminder every year to, yes, be thankful. Yes, feel appreciative of your family and the blessings you have. But also remember um, that there was a massacre at this time of year and many innocent women, children, and people died and became sick. And um, that's something that you, we, I think there's a, I think there's room for duality in this time of year. I think there's room for feeling that responsibility of acknowledgement. And there's also room for feeling joy and uh, gratefulness. Uh, but that said, Thanksgiving's not a huge deal to me. And coincidentally, my best friend's birthday happens to fall usually, if not on Thanksgiving, then the day before. So I always just think of this as Hillary Day. That's my best friend's name. Um, so Hillary Day is coming up and my best friend is turning 30 this year. So it's a big one. And we've been really going back and forth. Like, how do we do this? And that's why I'm really glad Carolyn's here. Um, because I actually was wondering, like, we have been in the same pod. I guess she's really the only friend that I see. Because uh, also she is my boyfriend's little sister. So it like kind of works out. We're like a little, her and her boyfriend and me and my boyfriend are like a little pod. And they're the only ones we see. Usually it's with masks on outside, but I'll admit we have had some inside interactions. But other than that, we're very strict quarantining. Um, so for her birthday, we had planned ages ago to rent a little cabin in the woods and have our own little time. So I guess what we've gathered so far is, okay, we're, we're all going to quarantine hardcore for the next two weeks, like no going to the store, no seeing anybody else. Um, I'm debating whether or not I should continue doing my, um, preschool pod that I do once a week with masks on that's outside and inside. Uh, you're shaking your head. No. What do you think about that for the next two weeks? 
So I think that if you want to be as safe as possible, if you're going to mm-hmm. do your preschool pod, um, it, sh- it can only be outside and it's going to be rainy. So that might be really difficult. So this, th- so I think that instead it would be a lot better idea to do that um, virtually, number one, for the next mm-hmm. two. Um, not going to the store is an excellent idea if you can. Um, but that said, you know, don't hoard things like that. That was, I, I, sorry, it's a bit of a tangent and I promise I'll get back to the question in full, but I want to make sure that your listeners know that, that they should not be hoarding things like everybody was doing at the beginning of the pandemic, because that actually really hurts places like senior centers and food banks on which then, you know, turn around a lot of communities of color who are extremely vulnerable rely. And that's not fair or okay. Like I remember actually, I think um, a relative was sat, was like, like proudly posted that they had, um, you know, gotten enough paper to like, or toilet paper or whatever to survive the apocalypse. And I just thought to myself, well, you're being a selfish asshole. So, cause that's where, you, you know, when you hoard, you're being a selfish asshole and you are literally taking supplies and food out of that mouths of other people. So don't fucking do that. Um, excuse me, but don't just don't do that. Um, but getting back to your question, um, I not going to the store is a very good idea. Um, if you can afford the delivery, like Instacart or something, um, I would suggest that there are also though other implications with that, because again, the workers who do, um, tend to take Instacart delivery jobs do tend to be, again, people of color and they have to then go into the store. And it's just, it's very, it's a very difficult situation, but if you're, if you're going to do it, um, you know, just, I guess, commit hard to quarantining and don't go out, just literally do not go outside. Um, and make sure before you do this cabin in the woods thing, all of you must get negative COVID tests at maximum the outset 48 hours beforehand. But I would strongly suggest making sure you have a negative COVID test at least like 24 hours in advance, not 48. And that's after quarantining for how long? The state restrictions are recommending, um, you know, are are essentially are saying without any teeth to them, of course. So basically they're just recommending um, that people who want to do, uh, who want to uh, see each other um, must uh, quarantine for 14 days or for seven days and have a negative COVID test at maximum 48 hours in advance. However, I would strongly recommend quarantining. I'm not a health expert, but still quarantine 14 days in advance and have that negative COVID test. That is such an important reminder. And thank you so much. I really appreciate your perspective. And that actually makes me feel a lot safer because even I was thinking like maybe I don't know, like I've been going back and forth on this. Like we were planning to quarantine. We were planning to get the COVID test. I didn't know about the 24 hours. I was thinking maybe like a couple days, but that is very doable. Um, So that does make me feel better. Although I guess I, I understand what you're saying though. How do you think, how do you think we can get people to kind of live up to that trust without having, like you said, the teeth behind the regulations? What what would it take to, I mean, I'm sure you don't have all the answers, but I'm just curious what you think. What, what do you think it would take to like convince people to think more community oriented and 
make those important changes to their plans or at least have that foresight and that planning. I mean, I guess here's where I can, where I'm going to be extremely, extremely honest. So hang on. Um, I think that uh, given the confluence of not only, you know, the, the pervasive, the pervasive lies that the person in the White House, um, you know, keeps putting out, regardless of whether you believe them, combined with the myth of American exceptionalism, the I think that the only way that people are going to ever think beyond themselves truly, except for you know folks who are actually you know thinking long term in the scope of like let's help better everything, which are quite frankly, in my opinion, in the U.S. few and far between, um, particularly among um, white folks. Um, I think that short of having literally every single family experience a death of a loved one in their immediate family, in their nuclear family, we will not get there ever. Need to make a distinction. Yes. And cause you, you mentioned it a little bit. Um, my experience has been, it's very hard for white people, liberal or conservative to put community first. Um, oppressed communities, LGBT community, black community, indigenous community, Disability community, you know, folks from disability community all band together first. And like, what do you need? How do we help each other? Chosen family. It is folks just to your point about American exceptionalism and it can't happen to me uh, is mostly people from the dominant culture who have very much benefited from this violent, extractive capitalist system, which started in 1619. So incentive. So back to your point, if we could circle a little bit, we took the circuitous route. The governor's mandates, why they're bullshit is because they don't come with fucking fines, because that is what's going to get privileged white people to cut the shit is if we see if I call my neighbor because I see that there's 10 people there and I call this town and they send the instead of the traffic person giving cars tickets. Just have a traffic person come and knock on the door, count, and here's your $5,000 fine. That'll cut, that because in, without incentive, people don't give a shit. So, and there's the other problem, because, like, I'm with you, but then there's a, there, there as, to, uh, as you said, a yes and. The unfortunate part is that from my, from the response I got from the governor's office, and this is to the best of my knowledge, based on what the governor's office said. It is up to local law enforcement to do this. And as we know, local law enforcement over polices communities of color. Exactly. And just because white people are the majority, you know, being dicks about this doesn't necessarily mean that they're the only people being jerks about it. Because um, I, I have, you know, on the other hand, seen plenty of people of color also wandering around without masks. And I really want to shake them, but I don't want to get that close. Um, and so my concern there is that these communities of color are already over-policed and underfunded and just like so many, very good point. I agree with you. So many problems already that like, I'm, I'm worried that's not going to be the the rich jerks in like Capitol Hill or something or Laurelhurst who are going to be fined this five that find this, you know. 
You're absolutely right. That's a very, very important point. You're right. Yeah. It's fucked up because we started with fuckery. We started in February. Well, when did they know? January? Blah, blah. It started with. Yeah. So that's all. I can't. I'm, I'm it's so here's the thing. Humans are so fucking stupid, really, because it should be that. Oh, here's a thing we can do to not make things worse. Never mind. Let's fucking make things worse. I don't, I mean, that's an existential question, not for this podcast or not today, but it really does baffle me. Like, why the fuck are we so stupid? I think about that so much, (laughs) Um, but it, to me, I feel like there's a big element of people who aren't feeling maybe fully affected by it. Like people who are privileged enough to work from home, to be maintaining a salary, to be able to, you know, get, you know, testing or rapid testing so they can gather and they can do what they want. Um, like for me, I haven't been able to do my job the way I want to since March. And it's like taking a real toll on me. I worked really, really hard to get to the point where I could have my own classroom and be in that situation and get to work with my, my students in the way that I've always dreamed of and been working towards. And then not even halfway into the school year, it's taken. And of course it's the right thing to do is to shut down and keep my community safe. However, every time this gets extended, that's more time that I'm not doing what I believe I've been put on this planet to do. And it makes me tired and makes me depressed and it makes me stressed out. And I feel like some people don't feel that, that, that pull of like, it's not knocking them completely out of orbit. But for me, I know I'm still speaking from a very privileged place where I can do, I have been doing virtual learning. I have had my little play pod of three kids once in a while. Um, so I have little outlets and I'm really thankful for that. But a lot of people, you know, are losing an immense amount of income are losing their housing stability. People are really getting racked and shaken. And um, it, it just baffles me that a vast majority can be so unplugged and untuned and uh, uh, ambivalent about it, I guess. And uh, before we go to break, um, I did want to uh, chime in on one of the earlier uh, issues that came up uh, for the question of um, whether or not folks should be getting their groceries delivered, uh, Instacart and whatnot. Um, I'll just uh, take the the moment of privilege, uh, the point of privilege to speak from my experience as an Instacart shopper. Uh, It's one of my gigs. I would prefer that as many people as possible use grocery delivery services um, because as a shopper, when I'm in the store, I I just think of these amateur grocery shoppers as in the way. They're they're slow. They think about what they want. They bring their fucking families. They – they're they're a real problem, and and I try not to judge because it'll it'll drive me mad to be too judgmental about people's hygiene habits or whatever. But yeah, I can't help it. I do judge. Uh, anyway, it, it a lot of people need work. There are a lot of new Instacart uh, shoppers um, who uh, are only doing it because they've lost their other jobs uh, during the pandemic, and they need the business. Uh, the grocery stores need the business. It's, you know, it'll cost a little bit more for the person at home, but I I believe it will make everyone safer for people to use more uh, delivery services. And no, I'm not shilling for Instacart. They just happen to be <laughs> uh, 
the company I subcontract for. There are a lot of good services, I'm sure. We'll be back. Hey, Raven. Hey, Sarah. What's the best part of donating to buy the sound on Patreon? Uh, other than helping us to make more episodes of the podcast? Yeah. I like the daily local news updates. With so much local news to follow, it's great to see all the stories that matter in one place without all the fluff. And it's available for as little as five bucks a month. Our news updates are posted almost every day to our private Facebook group, which all supporters are invited to join once they donate to Buy the Sound through Patreon. Our donors will also see previews of upcoming episodes, and they'll have access to bonus content streaming through our Patreon page. Are there any other benefits to supporting Buy the Sound? Listeners who donate at the Alki level or above will receive invitations to our meetups, where they can meet by the sound co-hosts, guests, and supporters of the show. We'll be having more of these in the coming months via Zoom and eventually in spots all around Seattle. Are there any other benefits for our supporters? Yes. Listeners who support the show at the Discovery, Westlake, or Gasworks membership level will receive all the benefits we described, plus the opportunity to nominate and sponsor a guest of their choosing to be interviewed in a future episode of the show. It's one of the many ways that we're making By the Sound a community-invested podcast. That's so cool. Remind me where people go to donate. People can learn all about these benefits and more at www.patreon.com slash by the sound. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash by the sound. Raven, what are you grateful for this week? Ooh, that's timely. Um, this week, uh, I'm really thankful. One of my really dear friends commissioned me to do a painting a long time ago, and I've just been putting it off because I've just been feeling so emotionally bankrupt and tired and stressed out that I haven't been able to get myself to a creative place at all. But having a, such a dear friend asked me to do this work, and it's actually one of the biggest pieces I've ever made, and I just got to start on it today. And I've just been like trying to like channel as much like joy and positivity and spirit into that work. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I have that opportunity to get creative and that I do feel some semblance of inspiration coming back to me. It, It could very well be with Trump moving out of office, like something is off my shoulders. And I also think it could just be, um, knowing that I am settling in for a much deeper, I've been quarantined. I've been very safe. However, I'm, I'm strapping in now for like another level of that quarantine um, and keeping it as tight as possible for the next two weeks. So I'm looking forward to using that time to work on this piece and feel centered and hopefully by the end have something very meaningful to give to my friend to lighten up her home. So it's nice to have that other means of connection and communication what about you asia yeah i i definitely i underestimated the um tension carrying him i was carrying in my body with the abuser in chief in office like i really underestimated it because i grew up in an emotionally abusive home with a gaslighting parent and in a gaslighting culture and so it felt like that i was i'm from egypt uh carolyn just let you know so there's a collective hypocrisy I grew up with that was happening here. Like this whole group of people are operating in a different fucking movie than we are. And so it's not that that's changed. It's not that that's changed. The fog that lifted is we mitigated a little bit 
the fuckery and said, there's actually 75 million people who are like, fuck you. And, and we're on a spectrum. It's not that the 75 million are like-minded, but at the very least, it was like, yeah, this motherfucker within this fucked up system still needs to go. So there was something about, so I'm grateful for that fog and, and grateful that I recognized it. So I was like, wow, I have been carrying tension for so long. And so, and it's, it's, it's a little bit of relief. It's not, I do not have delusions of the architect of the mass incarceration, you know, the crime bill or, you know, I'm thrilled that Kamala Harris is there, woman of color, black woman, Asian woman, and she was a prosecutor. So, I mean, it's, it's all manner of complexity and still neither of them are going to fucking abuse us on Twitter. So I have deep gratitude about that. And the fucking media, fuck you, because now they're all of a sudden found their fucking guts and they're like, oh, he's a lot. Fuck you. You're the one who helped him get elected. Fuck you. So, wow, that's a lot of fucks. <laughs> what am I grateful for? I'm grateful that the tension that I've been carrying has at least left my body. And there is some semblance of people wanting to stop harm and, and, and don't want the abuse that kind of the national we've been held hostage. Um, cause the fuckers who voted for him, give me a fucking break. Like maybe, maybe 20% out of the 70 million actually think he's wonderful. The others like hate black and brown people do. I don't, and, and y'all can argue with me all you want. I'm sorry, but you're fucking no four years ago. Y'all completing ignorance. I'm from Jersey. We fucking knew what you were getting now. Mm-mm. Now you, now you knew. Okay, so I'm I'm grateful for. for I want to stop talking, Sarah. Oh, Carolyn, are you doing? Are you, are you are you in our gratitude corner? What are you grateful for? Uh, yes, I that was beautiful, Asia. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, at the risk of sounding super cheesy, but also maybe it's just an expression of how few people I've seen over the last basically year. Helps that I'm kind of a, an introverted homebody anyway, who's basically just a hermit who writes things based on facts and tells everybody to leave them alone. Um, but anyway, I am so grateful for my gorgeous, amazing husband, who has been just like a spectacular, just need, not only needs the support, but just like an amazing, wonderful, beautiful human being who I, whom I would not be able to live without. Like literally, I think I would probably just like kick off this earth without him. That's so sweet. I think this is like one thing that has come out of the deep quarantine times. The last many months is feeling, I feel the same way about the people that I've been close to my boyfriend who I live with my dog like you kind of just realize like oh I built like this little world for myself and I just can live in it and um I do miss the rest of the world but it is nice to be grateful and feel that connection and feel you know like oh I somehow over my life I made a safe home with a safe person and I like that's always such a blessing Sarah what are you grateful for um uh well nothing quite as sweet as that. Um <laughs> uh I'm grateful that uh Netflix decided to make the Queen's Gambit. Um So good. Don't give it away cuz I'm on episode 3. So good. <laughs> um I don't think I'll be giving too much away. Uh just to say that I 
I mean, I, I just started watching because I wanted to see the clothes and the set dressings and, you know, like all the period stuff. And then uh, I found, you know, it's a really great um, story. It's a fictional story of a, a young um, a chess savant coming of age in the 1960s. And uh, that person happens to be a girl. And I expected um, there would be a lot of uh, sexism and misogyny in the show. And it's it's there. It's like um, kind of background. Uh, it's just ki- kind of in the air, but not in um, an unbelievable way. And, and more to my point, what I appreciate is watching this it turned out in in the show it's a limited series i think seven episode uh mini series there were several um young white men modeling good behavior and uh as the mother of two boys um i'm i've become very aware of of how little there is of that there's uh you can find examples of bad behavior uh <laughs> but um it it's it's nice to see uh something that like that that I can watch with my 15 year old who loves chess and uh that he can simultaneously um see some examples of iffy or bad behavior you know some dated kind of uh, attitudes, but also some some good modeling of what good positive masculinity uh, looks like. So, since my kids have two moms, I think that's uh, something helpful for them. <laughs> so, thank you Netflix for that, and thank you all for joining us on By the Sound, Carolyn. I hope you'll come around again. Absolutely. That'd be super fun. This is great, honestly. This has been By the Sound, your community-invested podcast. By the Sound is an Ahoy Hoy Media production. Ahoy Hoy!